0: So let's see what it says in Jonah chapter 2. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave I called for you, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs, but I, with the song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will make good, salvation comes from the Lord." and the lord commanded the fish and it vomited jonah onto dry land right we've been uh, working through this series we're up to i think it's uh, part 4 jonah the running man uh, he's known as a guy who runs away from god that's if you like that's the simple story uh, here we have this uh, this man he, he knows that he is uh, one of God's servants. In fact, more than being a servant of God, he's a prophet of God. If you like, in terms of the, the people of God in the Old Testament, the, the Israelites, the, he was one of the religious elite. He was a leader. He was a man who was appointed by God to bring the message of God to his people. Uh, And so we can look at this man, not so much in the light of a simple man who's run away, but rather perhaps as a really prominent man amongst the people of God who is given a task, but the task that he is given is one that he feels really uncomfortable with. He is to take the message uh, of God into what was at that time uh, probably one of the biggest cities the biggest urban populations and the, bit, the most advanced of people groups. And they were known by, uh, by everybody around. They were known as very advanced. But from God's perspective, they were something different. From God's perspective, they were a wicked people. Um, we've just, in this past few months, we've seen uh, some of the events, some of the things in our newspapers, some of the things on the TV news, um, we've had little insights, haven't we, in terms of how dramatically bad uh, humanity can be towards other human beings. Even in the greatest of uh, modern developed uh, people groups, you know, you look at some of the biggest cities in the world and you also see some of the most horrific events taking place. There is wickedness, there is horrific, there are horrific things going on all around us, and it prompts the question, does God, does God care about this? Well, it makes, he makes it clear here that he does care, because he says to uh, Jonah, go and speak against this city, which is wicked. And Jonah thinks to himself, I know what God is like. Now, that's really important. I know what God is like. I know that he will forgive them if they turn from their wickedness he's that kind of a God and as I think about it I look at the wicked have you ever had one of those experiences where you see something going on in in the world and you think you are so incensed it is so bad that you almost think to yourself I don't even want for God to forgive in that situation it's so bad and yet the God of the Bible is a God who will truly forgive when there truly is repentance. And that's a challenge for all of us, isn't it? It's a challenge for all of us until we all realize that we actually need the God who is that forgiving. Every one of us. Jo- and Jonah knows that God is like that. And so instead of going and taking the message uh, of, uh, of God into that city, he goes in the opposite direction... And he ends up on a ship in a storm, which God has brought into that place. He has the, the orchestr- orchestrated a storm. He's orchestrated Jonah asleep. Uh, and he's brought it to a point where the crew are so terrified that they wake Jonah up. Uh, and they say, look, we're all about to die. We're shouting, pleading, crying to our gods. You'd better do the same. Because we've had it. And Jonah responds by saying, if it, I'm running away from the Lord, the God who created everything. I'm the one who's running away. So throw me overboard. If I die, you'll live. For those of, of us who perhaps are beginning to get a handle, maybe you're beginning to get a handle on the whole of the storyline, the plot line of the Bible, that starts to ring some bells, doesn't it? If I die, you can live. It starts to create some little uh, connecting lines between this story and what we ultimately know that the whole of the Bible is about, which is about one man called Jesus who came into this world and he said basically the same. If I die, you can live. (laughs) We've got a connection there, haven't we, immediately between Jonah and what we see going on in the New Testament. Jonah says, look, throw me over the side. If I die, you will live. And so they do with great reluctance and praying to God that he would forgive them for what they're doing by as they say killing an innocent man. Jonah says throw me over and you'll be okay. And that's exactly what happened. They throw him over and immediately the sea is calm and God ordains another just incredible event. In fact I would say it is so incredible it is so dramatic, a story, that it's, it's got to be one of two things. It's got to be so ridiculously crazy that you can get rid of it straight away, or it's got to be true. Because what happens next is Jonah is swallowed by what is described as a great fish. Now, I don't know about you, but we tend to have, don't we, quite an arrogant attitude towards history. We kind of say, you know, those, those people from f- hundreds of years ago, they were a bit stupid, really. And uh, they were a bit gullible. They believed all sorts of things. And if somebody came along and said that they'd been swallowed by a fish, they'd, they'd believe it. I think that's incredibly arrogant. I don't think people are any more, were any more gullible in the past than they are now. Uh, and we wouldn't believe if somebody came along and said that. So it's such a remarkable story. In fact, that's the whole point of it. God decides to do something which is just so remarkable that it says very clearly, very uh, concisely, I'm involved in this. I'm in the middle of this. It is me who has caused that fish to come along and swallow that man. And we find now Jonah in the bottom of the sea swallowed by a fish. And that has incredible Significance, because it says to it, it causes us to ask a question: How bad can life get? And is God still involved? How bad can life get? It's as though God has has formulated a situation, brought all of the events to coincide, so that Jonah as one person in history is in a worse situation than I would suggest almost anybody could be. A friend of mine is, I am really, I don't know about you, I am terrified of kind of confined spaces. I don't know about you, that's something that really gets me. I just cannot take confined spaces. A friend of mine was... um, worked on submarines and uh, he was telling me about what he considered the most horrific death imaginable. Uh, During the night one of the sailors had gone down to clean the periscope tube which you can actually, you know, see periscope tubes, well actually you you can actually get down the tube and kind of clean, scrape out the tube like this, turn around in a circle and uh, the tube uh, had a leak on the hydraulics and over a period of a number of hours the a uh, periscope tube came down and crushed him. Uh, I mean, talk about confined, kind of tight space. That is nothing compared to what Jonah finds himself in. It is the worst, most horrific. I say that deliberately. Uh, I, I, I mean, as I've just said that, I've seen a few people kind of look at me as if to say, "Why did you say that?" Because I think we can so easily read this and say, "Oh yeah, Jonah was swallowed by a fish." Actually, he was in the bottom of the sea. In a confined, claustrophobic, horrific, dark place. It was horrendously bad. It was dreadful. How bad can it get? And that's the point of the story. How bad can it get? And will God hear in that situation? Because the way the story is constructed is that Jonah is now, in symbolic terms... He couldn't be further away from God. One of the things that the ancients saw was that the sea was a place of chaos and separation from God. If you go to the end of the Bible in Revelation, it says when the point when God's people are once again close to God again and heaven is restored and all of the uh, situation is again perfect, we see one line which says, and there was no sea. It reaches a point where there is no sea because the sea is a place of separation. The sea is a place of chaos. The sea is a place of, uh, of disorder. And it is representative of everything that is, if you like, anti-God. And Jonah finds himself now at the bottom of the sea. He couldn't be further away from God. And no more than that, it's not like he's drowned, he's actually alive at the bottom of the sea, in a claustrophobic, horrific place, and you ask yourself, can I possibly be in a worse situation than Jonah? And then you say, and will God hear me? The first thing that we see as we come to this, let's have a look at the text, The first thing that we see in understanding and coming to terms with this particular part of the Bible is this. What does Jonah say? In my distress, I called to the Lord and He answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help and you listened to my cry. You, you, You listened to my cry when I was basically alive in the grave. That's the way he's describing it. I'm alive in the grave I'm alive but dead, and you heard my cry. But what does he say? Following on in verse 3, how did he end up in this situation? He says, you hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the sea. You hurled me into the deep. And you say to yourself, well, hang on, let's go back to the previous chapter. How did Jonah end up in the sea? because the sailor's got a grip on him and chucked him over because he said throw me into the sea but Jonah okay he has an understanding that that literally is what happened that the sailor's chucked him in but he has a deeper understanding he has come to terms with one of the most essential elements of understanding our life here in this world he's got a grip on this there are events that go on There are things that happen. There are situations that are caused by all sorts of people in all sorts of situations or events that have happened, but ultimately and above it and beyond it and outside of the immediacy of the events, I know that it is God. You say, what? It is God that caused Jonah to be... Alive in the grave. It is God that threw him overboard. It is God that brought Jonah to this most horrific of places. You hurled me into the deep, into the very hearts of the sea, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I don't know where all of all of us are this afternoon in terms of the events of life. You might be facing situations where you think this is just horrific. And then you've come here and you've said, and by the way, it is God who has a sovereign hand over all of this. I I don't want that kind of a God. I can understand that initial response, but I just want to stop you and say, okay, I hear that, but imagine if God isn't in control. If, imagine if God can't do anything. Imagine if in the middle of all of that, God cannot do a thing, that He hasn't got any order, that He hasn't got any sovereign uh, supremacy over all of it imagine if that's the kind of God that we have and then you turn around and you say I'm in this situation or we find ourselves faced with this situation imagine if it's like that then we are hopeless aren't we then we've got no chance Then we're in a disastrous situation because not only are we still in that crisis, but God can't do anything about it. And Jonah understood. He got this. He really understood at this point in time when he was at the lowest point that you could possibly be. You can't get any worse than this. And he says, I am now going to cry out to God. Because I believe that He will hear me. I know that He will hear me. I know that He can do something. Because that is the kind of God that is needed when we're right down at the very bottom. None of us can be as, as, in as bleak a situation as Jonah. He is the one person in history, aside of the Lord Jesus, who gets this low. Nobody gets this low in the Bible apart from Jonah. And yet while he's there, he says, I'm going to cry to God. I called to the Lord in my distress. Now this immediately makes us think, has he got some kind of an amazing faith? Does he have the ability to somehow rise above the immediate kind of sense events that are going on around him? You know, he can, he can touch and feel and smell and taste the fact that he's entombed in a fish. He's feeling cold. He's probably burning with the acid. He's stinking. He's feeling the, the uh, seaweed wrapping around his head. He's probably swallowed a load of water and been sick. He, he is in a disastrous situation. And yet, for him those immediate things around him are not as powerful and oppressive as his confidence in God. That sounds some kind of faith, doesn't it? But I want to ask you this. What kind of faith is able to say, I not only believe in that God... But I believe in a God who was the one who threw me into the sea in the first place. You see that? You think that Jonah has, has got, he, he's kind of been able to surmount the immediate things that are going on. That is small, that's tiny compared to coming to terms with turning to the God who put him there in the first place. He says, it was God who threw me into the sea. How am I able to approach that God? Am I able to approach that God? How is it that Jonah is able to approach that God? For exactly the same reason as he didn't want to go to Nineveh in the first place. Exactly the same reason. Because he knows what God is like. And he knows that even while... I am still catching breaths. Even while I am still able to utter words, I can still turn to that God because this is a God of forgiveness. See that? He is able to rise above even the fact that it is God who has condemned him. It's God who has condemned him into the grave of the sea. And he can still in that turn to God. Jesus says this. He says, whoever believes in me is not condemned. You say, am I condemned already? Are we condemned while we're still living? Jonah was condemned while he was still alive. Jesus says, whoever believes in him is not condemned or believes in me. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. In not believing in God, we stand condemned already. We're condemned if we don't believe in God, the Bible says. And then the amazing thing is, in this account of Jonah... He says no matter how bad it is, even though you're condemned, you can still turn to the God who condemns you. Isn't that amazing? Because this faith that rises up in Jonah, this hope rises up. Look at the way it opens up. Look at verse 4. I have been banished from your sight. I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. I've been banished, but I'll look to a place of hope. I'll look to a place where God is present. What does it mean? I'll look to your holy temple. What did the temple mean to Jonah? It was the very identification of the fact that God is there and present with His people. It's the fact that God is able to be approached. It's the fact that God is a God who provides a way of forgiveness. What did the temple mean to those, uh, those people? It meant that no matter how offensive we are to God, we can go to the temple and we can find a way to be reconciled again to God. That's what the temple meant in the Old Testament. It meant that God will receive you. God will receive you even though you're condemned. God will accept you. God will reach out to you and he will restore you if you come to him. That's what the temple means. And Jonah says, I've been banished from your sight, but I'll look to a place of hope, which is you. Doesn't that sound contradictory? Somebody who banishes you. Somebody who condemns you. You then turn to that same person in hope. Well, if that person is the one who is able to wield the powers of nature, if that person is the one who is able to bring to that place a a fish to swallow him up, if that person is the one who is being able to bring all of those events to come to pass so that he brings Jonah to a place of near death, but not quite death, isn't he also a God who is able to forgive? He's a God who is doing everything necessary to reach out to this man and say, listen to me. You know, sometimes events in life are just like that for us. Sometimes the events in life are just so life-shaking. They kind of rock our very foundations they, they turn us inside out upside down where do we go with this what's happening why is God allowing this to happen in my life why would God allow these terrible events to take place and faith says in the face of that I turn to that same God why because Jonah understood that this was a God of compassion. And this was a God of forgiveness. He looks to the temple. A place of God's mercy. A place of God's forgiveness. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you... Brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. Doesn't that sound strange language? He's already thanking God for saving him. He's not been spat out yet. But he says, But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. You saved me. What confidence, what hope. What security for him to be able to say in the worst of situations, I know that you will... I can speak as though it's already happened. It's faith. Now the Lord Jesus says that that is the kind of God that we worship. But more than that, that is the kind of saviour that I am. I am the kind of saviour that you can speak now as though all of this has passed. As though the worst of adversities can't get you. As though you are already saved. It's as though we can use a language now, even though it's not already happened evidently, with the kind of faith and the kind of confidence to be able to say... It's as though God has already saved me. The adversity that I face, the situations around me, the sense issues that are getting to me right now, they are just not big enough to overwhelm me. They are not big enough to finally take my life and, and snuff me out. Because that's the kind of God who says, I, I will take you through this, but I'll never leave you I will always be there, and you can use a language that says that you're triumphant, that you're secure, that you're safe. Paul puts it like this: He says, "We are hard pressed on every side. We're hard pressed on every side." He's, he's in this situation where he's taking the message of the of Jesus out to a completely uh, pagan world, Roman Empire. And everybody is oppressing him. Everybody is against him. He gets shipwrecked. He gets stoned. He gets beaten. He gets thrown into prison. He gets whipped. Everything is against him. And he says, we're pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. See the kind of words that he's able to use? He's able to say, it it seems horrendous, but I know I've won in you. It seems as though I should be in the grave, but you've lifted me up. That kind of faith Jonah finds Not when he's feeling confident. Not when he's really strong. Jonah finds that that kind of faith when he is absolutely at the bottom. Literally speaking. He's a dead man walking. And that's when that kind of faith breaks in. That's where that kind of hope in God breaks in. I want to just... uh, Consider this for us today. Maybe your situations, you're able to look back on life and say, I know that when it was absolutely at its worst, suddenly, like that, a faith appears that I didn't know that I could possibly have. I didn't know that I could do that. I didn't know that I could have a confidence in God like that. I didn't do it God did it in me that's what happens for Jonah he's hopeless he's helpless and yet this faith builds up in his life when he's nearly dead in the bottom of the sea in a fish maybe you've not experienced that let me give you some hope that maybe in the future you will find yourself in a life situation and you are a Christian and you do believe in this God, but you've never had it tested like this. You've never had it really tried out. You've never had it pushed and squeezed. What the Bible says here is this. It's not you holding on to God, it's God holding on to you. It's, it's the faithfulness of Jesus which when you are squeezed i mean really stretched really beaten down you'll find that faith starts to well up that you didn't even know could possibly happen And you might be sat there thinking i i I don't even know what that kind of experience of god is like i face adversities in life i've been through some I can maybe see the ripples on the horizon of some pretty horrific stuff out there. And right now, I'm going it alone. I'm trying to face those out by myself. The reality is, you have not got the fortitude, I have not got the fortitude, I have not got the strength to really, deeply, powerfully deal with those things. I can't face death and be able to speak as though I'm going to live. I can't do it in human terms, personally. But I know that when I reach that point, there is a faith that God will place in me that will lift me up. I want to ask you, is your experience of God, the kind of experience which is, well, I'm kind of interested in it, Or has it got really deep like this? Has it got so deep that I'm beginning to think no matter what happens in life, I trust and I believe and I place all of my hope not in myself because I've already had some of those ripples and I know that I can't manage them by myself and I'm beginning to see that the only hope I have is in God. That's what Jonah tells us here. You know, it's almost a comic story. It's almost as though God deliberately uses uh, hyperbole, you know, extremes. uh, Kind of pictures which are just so big, so vast, so dramatic, that he's putting Jonah in almost a comic situation. Something which is just bigger than all of us. Quite deliberately. (laughs) Because he's saying, you can trust me. I will cause a faith to rise up in you that you didn't believe was possibly there. Jonah didn't wasn't behaving like somebody who had that kind of faith before, was he? And yet that little nugget of faith, that little kind of seed of faith that he did have in God, when it's really tested, gets proved to be something of tremendous worth. I don't know how many people have said to me, I've lost count of how many people have said to me, when they don't believe in Jesus they've not got a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus but they're facing real difficulties in life real hardships I don't know how many times it's been said I wish I had faith like that or I wish I had your faith or I wish I had the faith of their friend who is also a Christian which has caused us to end up in conversation look at what Jonah says In verse 8, those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. What are you holding on to? Worthless idols, things that can't really help when you're really facing the extremes of circumstances. You say, I wish I had your faith. This is not my faith that I've got, that I've developed, and I've taken to the the, the gym of the church and built up. It's what God has placed in me, and it's sufficient for the moment in time. And it is the same for everybody else. We're going to be looking a little bit more next week at these final few verses. I think the final few verses of this chapter are some of the most important verses in the whole of the Bible we're going to be looking at them next week but just for now let me say let me close by asking where is your hope where is your strength it doesn't make the problems go away hoping that there isn't a god does it what we need is a god who is actually bigger than all of those issues